good to be here. Man, all right. I do have the microphone, so since I have it, I need you guys to do one thing for me. One of the things I've tried to tell our church is there's a lot of other churches that are cheering them on and supporting them, right? It's good to know other people are out there caring about you. So I'm going to turn around. I'm going to flip this thing over to video, and I need y'all to hoop and holler and shout and let somebody know you're out there supporting them. Come on. Man, I love it. I love it. Listen, man, we are so excited to get an opportunity to plant a church in northern Missouri. Um, Man, we really have taken this opportunity because we feel like, one, God's called us to do it. And we feel like he's been intentional with everything down to the name of the church. Um, The name that the Lord laid on our heart is Generations Cowboy Church. Because we felt like the Lord told us that we need to be a place that is leading generations to experience Jesus. Amen. We got one shot to get one thing right, and that is to take the baton of faith that Jesus has given to us and hand it off to the next generation. If we miss that, we failed as a church. It doesn't matter what we've done if we don't do that. And so we're going into this thing uh, really with a heart to make sure that we don't just raise up a generation where we talk about Jesus, but we raise up a generation where they learn to experience Jesus. Because he is the one who will change their lives, not Jason, Jesus. Um, and really, we go into this thing with a twofold heart, to be honest with you. We want to be a church that plants and supports other churches in rural Missouri. Because here's the reality uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I got an opportunity to go to a little town in Missouri called Unionville, Missouri, a town of maybe 12 or 1,400 people. Um, they are looking for a pastor because their last pastor uh, resigned, retired. Um, they have about 20 people in church and they can't hardly find anybody that will come in and apply for this job. And it's exactly what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart, that there are small communities like that all over the northern part of Missouri in those small towns where there are good people and generations and families are still growing up and there's about to be a generation of pastors that are stepping down from ministry and there is not a generation that's coming up to take their place. And I'm going to be danged if on my watch there isn't somebody there to step in and make sure we're equipping and investing in and coming alongside these churches so that that next generation gets to hear about Jesus too. And so that's what we're going to do. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. All I know is I've said, yes, Jesus, and you're going to take care of the rest. And so that's our heart, and we get to do that because of you guys and your generous support of our church. Uh, Man, we had an incredible meeting. They got a couple of pictures. We started uh, a couple of meetings twice a month, the first and third Sunday of the month. And uh, at the last meeting we had, we had 32 people um, that showed up to this service to hear about our church and how they could be a part of it. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about this meeting for two reasons. Um, One, mostly, um, there are two grandmothers that come with their families to our church. After that, my wife and I are the oldest people in the room. (laughs) I love that. Everybody are young families with little kids doing exactly what Jesus said to do, lead generations to experience Jesus. And I believe that that's the beginning of a miracle right there. That's the beginning of a miracle. And five or 10 years from now, what he's going to do, they're getting to see where it started because they're not going to believe what he's up to somewhere down the road. And so we get to do that because of you, because of churches like Lone Star Cowboy Church and a host of other incredible people that have jumped in to financially support us, to pray for us, and make that opportunity possible. And so we're loving what we get to do. I joke around, um, I'm, a, I'm a milkman by day and a church planter by night because I work at a dairy plant loading trucks with milk. Uh, my wife works at a daycare, but we're going to do whatever it takes 
to make sure that we can tell people about Jesus. And if it means that's what we've got to do in this season, that's what we're going to do. Amen. Mm. Man, it's good to be here today. You can click, flip, however you want to get to Matthew 13. I'm going to get there in a minute. Um, if you're using a digital Bible, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And I think this message is, um, I don't believe in coincidences when it comes to the Lord. I just don't. And, and Pastor Randy and I have had zero conversations about what I'm preaching today. And we were sitting there talking before service, and he, he was telling me, because he asked a little bit, him and, and another, we were roping with some friends yesterday, and they asked what today's message was going to be. Um, and I think the Holy Spirit is orchestrating some messages that he's trying to get to his church right now in the season that we're in. Because I'm preaching a message from the parable of the sower, and I know the last couple of weeks, Pastor Randy has been preaching messages from the parable of the sower, and we have talked none about that. And I have not listened to any of his messages. And how does that happen? I think it's because the Holy Spirit's up to something. And he's trying to get a message to his church. And I think we're at a pivotal moment in history, all of us, you, me, us. And we need to hear what he's trying to say, because Jesus is trying to set his church up to be fruitful and harvest things in a season when it might look incredibly difficult. And I, I think that's the heart of this parable of the sower that Jesus is about to tell. So I think this message applies to all of us in the room. There's not one person here that doesn't have something to get from what the Holy Spirit wants to do if we'll listen and pay attention. Man, I, my message that I feel like the Lord has given me is this. It's a plan for the process. See, we all love to see the church plant when it's done. <laughs> I'm in the beginning of the process and the plan. And most people just want to walk in and celebrate all the work afterwards when it's all done. But the reality is you don't get a moment like this without a process before that. And there's a lot of process that we're going through to pray, to organize things, to make sure that, that we are out there raising funds to financially support this thing and set it up on a stable ground. We're out there trying to reach the people that he's called us to reach and make sure we equip people to come alongside us in this church because I'm not doing all the work. My wife's not doing all the work. It's going to be our church together and we're going to together build his church in Hallsville, Missouri. And so there's a lot of planning and processing going on to see the results to come one day. And the parable of the sower, I'm going to have to dive right in, um, is what I believe Jesus is trying to set us up and understand that there is a plan in the process and that producing a harvest is a commitment to a process. Some people run from this idea, but listen to me. If you will embrace this idea, you will see a harvest of the kingdom in your life. I promise you. But there's a process to it. I live in, in farming country right now. Uh, and there are acres and acres of corn and beans and milo everywhere. And that stuff didn't just pop up out of the ground magically. There was a process that somebody went through to get it in the ground, fertilize it, water it, do all the things that were necessary so that a harvest could be enjoyed come this fall. And it's what Jesus is saying in this parable. So Matthew 13, if you want to click there, flip there. Jesus said this. He said, I told, he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil underlying, with underlying rock. 
The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon, soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, and still other um, seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. I want, to, want you to catch what Jesus said here. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. He didn't just say listen. There's a difference between listening and understanding. My wife knows that well. When she tells me something and I got that deer in the headlights looks, you were listening, but you weren't catching what I was saying, honey. Yeah, that's what Jesus is trying to make sure. Like, don't just listen, but listen and understand. And then he goes on to make sure we get it. He said, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Notice this word understand keeps coming up. It's important to catch that. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. <clears throat> the seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, and so no fruit is produced. Notice what the goal is here from Jesus. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. If you want to take notes today, jot them in your phone, write them down, because don't take my word for it. Please go home and open up your Bible after this and read it for yourself, and you see what's going on there. But, but one of the first things we got to catch before we can look at what this story is trying to say is to understand the heart of Jesus. You need to hear me. Jesus just revealed his heart in the heart of the Father in that story. Because his heart is that he wants to plant seeds in your life, and those seeds produce a kingdom harvest in your life. Jesus wants your life to experience a kingdom harvest and blessing. It's been his desire from the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve and Jesus. At the, or he created Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And here he is again saying, I'm going to put seeds in your life that are going to multiply and produce a harvest. And what Jesus wants for you is a harvest of him in your life. That's what he wants for you. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. Because you're his son and you're his daughter. And he's not trying to withhold anything from you. And he's not trying to make your life hard. He's trying to set you up to experience a kingdom harvest in your life. Now we can get into what he's trying to say because we take it through that lens. Now we can understand where Jesus is about to point out three things. I can't do three like that. Three things. My fingers are too short and fat. Sorry. Three things. I'm distracted easily. Sorry. He's going to point out three things that get in the way of us having that harvest in our life. And the first thing that we have to do is grow in understanding. We have to grow in understanding. Matthew 13, 19, um, he said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. And if you don't think the devil's not good, he understands timing because he recognizes when Jesus is trying to plant something in your life and you don't understand it because it says, then the enemy comes and snatches it away. 
But guess who holds the power to understand? You do. You do. Listen, Jesus' word is not some mystery that he's trying to keep from you. His word is something that he's trying to reveal to you and help you understand so that you can understand. And what we've got to get is this, that a lack of understanding is a playground for the enemy. The enemy runs rampant in our life. And for some of us, I mean, I love you enough to say this. The reason the enemy is running rampant in your life is because you have a lack of understanding of God's word and who he's created you to be. It is not the enemy's fault for taking advantage of your lack of understanding. You've left the door wide open for him to walk in. And if you want to learn how to keep the enemy from running havoc in your life, learn to understand God's word and who he's created you to be, and you would realize I can keep the enemy out of my life because I understand what he's doing. You can be a victim. Or you can recognize, hey, I got some responsibility here, and if I would dive into the work of understanding, I could actually keep the enemy from wreaking havoc in my life. You hold the power if you want to understand. And hear me out. We live in a day and a time when it's been easier than ever to understand God's word. Listen, if you think you're going to get to heaven and stand before God one day and say, man, I tried, but it was hard to understand, and he's going to say, man, gosh, you're right. I really did make my word way too hard to understand. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It is not what he's going to say. We live in a day and an age when scripture has been given in very plain language to help us begin to understand. When we're surrounded by voices that have helped try to interpret the scripture and you can get on and Google it, you can go to YouTube and find videos on it, you can find all kinds of places to learn and understand things better if you want to, if you do the work of trying to understand. But you gotta put in the work. And there's this part in scripture for me that that. It, it gives me, uh, mm, I love it because it gives me a little bit of holy angst. It, he says, to whom much is given, much is required. And much opportunity to understand God's word has been given to us. And so I believe one day when we stand before him, he's gonna have a higher expectation of us than other generations before us because I've given you all the tools you need to understand. And we just have to take the work and do the work to understand his word. That's what Jesus is trying to say here. He's trying to set you up to experience a fruitful harvest. And the first step to do that is to grow in understanding. The next thing we got to do is we got to grow in depth. That's what Jesus points out here. That, That next seed that didn't produce fruit that he wanted to, it says that seed fell on a footpath represents those who, nope, wrong. Keep going. Verse 20, the seed that fell on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. For some of us, we need to hear this. We've got to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus. Because it's not a matter of if a storm is going to come into your life. It's a matter of when a storm is going to come into your life. I promise you this. You've either been through a storm, you're in the middle of one, or you're about to go through one. And and so here is this story because the reality is there is one seed that experienced all the persecution and all of the storm. And it wilted and didn't grow. 
But yet, there is another seed that experienced all those things, but had a deep enough root system that it went on to produce fruit 30, 60, or 100 fold. Everybody had that experience. One died from it, another grew from it. And so the question is, are we going to get a deep enough root system to carry us through the hard moments in life? Because listen to me, it's about to get hard to follow Jesus. We, we live in a pivotal moment in history when we can whine and complain about that or we can recognize that, man, we are not the first generation that's lived in a moment where it's hard to follow Jesus. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you study in Roman culture at all and what they did to the Jews and use them as human torches alongside the road to light up the path because of their faith in Jesus, then they've been through some hard things too and yet the church still was built. And so if we want to be a church that finishes to the end, then we better pay attention to what Jesus is trying to say because his harvest is not dependent on whether he takes the storms out of our life or not. His harvest is absolutely dependent because storms are going to happen and yet there's a depth to Jesus. There is a, there is a grace to Jesus that goes so deep that, man, it doesn't matter what comes in life we can suddenly find this strength to get through it because there's depth to who Jesus is to carry us through those moments. And I've ever been to a, a swimming pool where they also have a kiddie pool. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I, I can't get down with something that is that shallow and has water that warm. I don't care what they say about what they do to make that water warm. I see the two-year-olds that are playing in that pool, and I know why that water's warm. <laughs> I'm just saying. The two-year-olds bouncing around with them little floaties on their arms and that life vest on, and you hand them a snack, and they, they can't eat it because they can't even bend their arms to get to it. It's like they need to make some adult versions of that stuff. So when we go on a diet, we can't get our hands there. Like, we'll put those floaties on. <laughs> get it. It's cute when it's a two-year-old. But if you saw me sitting there with floaties on my arm and a life jacket on in the kiddie pool, that's weird and a little bit creepy. You should probably call the cops. <laughs> Some of us, man, we've got to get out of the shallow end of our faith. And it's time to get into the deeper end. And one of the best ways I learned to swim in the deep end, some of you are like, I can't believe you're telling people this. Hey, I'm here. I'm still alive. It's okay. Like my uncle, he would literally grab us, hang us by our feet, throw us off the diving board into the deep end. Guess what? I learned to swim. I'm still here. And some of us, we don't get why Jesus, like, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, but I feel like I'm drowning. He's like, no, man, I'm pushing you into the deep end because I want to actually show you how to rise above it, and I want to help you walk on water, but I got to get you out there first so you can see what I can do in you and through you. Yeah. Got to go deeper. Man, I'm a little bit excited. The goal is sustained growth. You need to hear me and hear this well. Salvation is not the finish line. Salvation is the starting line. The Great Commission, Jesus did not say, go into all the world and save men. Jesus said, go into all the world and make 
disciples, disciplined learners, disciplined followers of Jesus. One, I mean, you're like, man, I don't know. Like, how could they do that? Listen, if you know the story of what some of them went through and stayed faithful to Jesus, you would recognize the depth of the truth is here. Peter, you wanna know how Peter died? They crucified him upside down. You wanna know why they crucified him upside down? Because he said, I'm not worthy to die the way Jesus did. So do it upside down. How does a man do that and still stay faithful to Jesus? Because there's a depth there to carry them through that moment. Jesus is wanting to make sure that there is a depth to our life to carry us through the moments that we experience so that we can have a harvest for his kingdom and of his kingdom in our life. Okay, this third one, before I give it to you, I'm gonna prep you, okay? You can hear the love and the grace in this next point and receive it for that, or you can get offended by it and carry an offense. That choice is yours, okay? But I'm saying it because I love you and I care for you enough to have the hard conversation with you. The, the next thing I think Jesus points out is we need to grow in maturity. Some of us need to grow up. That's what Jesus is saying. If you, I love the way Luke told this same story of this parable. I love the way he interpreted it. He said in Luke 8, 14, he said, the seeds that fell on thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And this last sentence is the one that gets me. He said, and so they never grow into maturity. The goal is to not start growing in Jesus. The goal is to produce fruit and a harvest in Jesus. And so in order to do that, for some of us, we need to grow up and mature a little bit. And to do that, we've got to recognize some immature thinking in our life. Anybody ever raised a teenager? You are familiar with immature thinking, aren't you? You leave them a list of chores to do and you get home and one of the excuses is, man, I just, I didn't feel like doing it. I don't feel like cooking you supper tonight, but I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, my gosh. I was in youth ministry for a while, and I told him a long time ago, me and Kendra ain't your mama and daddy. We're your youth pastor. I ain't cleaning up after you. You can pick up trash and throw your own stuff away. Why? Because there's a maturity that we've got to learn to grow up and quit just seeing life as all about me. And for some of us, the reality is we're still spiritual teenagers. It, we, we, we look at church and we don't want any responsibility when we come together. We don't want to contribute and we think the church revolves around me and what I want. And if that describes you, you're a spiritual teenager and it's time to grow up. And there's some immature thoughts that we've got to be willing to look at and, and willing to address. Man, I hear people as a pastor come to me and here's an immature thought that I've heard people say. Man, I just, I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't got time for Jesus. Like, I got time for one hour on a Sunday and that's about all I got time for. Listen, I don't have time for that is an immature statement. Because you got all the time in the world for all the things that are important to you. And you use that time on all the things that are important to you. And so the things that don't fit into your calendar aren't important to you. And this one, I have to confess, when I took a personality test, sympathy was on the bottom of my list somewhere, so I'm just going to acknowledge it, okay? I don't have much sympathy for this one. 
Because man, I, I work at a dairy plant running a forklift and, and my shift when I work is 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. I work a 12 hour shift and my alarm goes off at 4 a.m. And you know why my alarm goes off at 4 a.m.? Because I'm making time for Jesus before I go into work. Because if I don't make time for Jesus before I go into work, Jason's gonna show up and Jason is not a very nice guy. But Jesus is. And so I make time for Jesus. Would I like a little more sleep? Absolutely. You got all the time in the world for what you want to have time for. And so if you want more of Jesus, you'll make more time for Jesus. Period. And to say I don't have time, that's an immature statement. We need to recognize it, get it out of our life. Man, an immature statement. I hear people say, I've heard it as a pastor, man. They've come to me. Oh, man, I just don't get fed at that church, and so I need to go find a church that feeds me. Here, hear my heart, and I've got a different perspective than some people, I will own it, and it's okay. This is just the way the Holy Spirit has convicted Jason right now, okay? This one-hour church service and this message was never intended to be enough to sustain you spiritually for seven days. Never. Let me tell you why. I ate breakfast this morning at 7.30. It's 10.30. Guess what? I'm ready for some more food. I don't eat one meal every seven days. I get hungry. It takes about three meals a day and some snacks in between to get me through 24 hours. Anybody else? It's the same spiritually. You're starving yourself if you think you can come in here on a Sunday for one hour a week and think it's gonna carry you for seven days. You eat one meal a week every seven days and you tell me how you do by day seven. That's what you're doing to yourself spiritually. My job, I believe, as a pastor, as one who teaches and shares the truth of God, is to create a hunger inside of you. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit stirs something in you to where you go open up your Bible, and you start reading, and you start having a conversation with Jesus, and you start listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you Monday through Saturday, so that when you get here on Sunday, you're excited and ready to be a part of what's happening. That's what it means to mature in that moment and grow up just a little bit. Man, there's, there's some other things I've heard people say, man, I just don't feel like it. That's an immature statement. There's a lot of things I have to do in life that I don't feel like doing. There's a lot of moments doing the things that Jesus called us to do, like love your enemy. I don't feel like doing it. I feel like laying the right hand of fellowship on some people. <laughs> the spirit of slap just comes all over me when I'm around some people. But I don't do what I feel like doing. Hopefully I listen to the voice of his Holy Spirit and I do what Jesus is asking me to do. Our life was never meant to be led by our feelings. It was meant to be led by kingdom convictions in our heart that Jesus has been cultivating. And we follow those things whether we feel like it or not. For some of us, that's what it means to mature in our faith, to begin to grow up just a little bit more. Instead of coming to church saying, what are you guys going to do for me? You come to church and say, man, how can I serve the people around me and help them grow in their life and ministry? Instead of coming to church and saying, man, I don't like the worship songs. That's great. We're not worshiping you. We were worshiping Jesus, so that's okay. Because it's not about you. What did we just sing? It's all about Jesus. It's all about you. 
not all about me. It's all about you, Jesus. Don't worry, I won't be applying for the worship team anytime soon. <laughs> because the goal from Jesus is a fruitful harvest. The seed that fell on good soil are those represent those who hear and understand. Hear and understand God's word and I love that he put two ends in here and produce a harvest. It's not enough to hear. Understanding is part of it. But at the end of the day, is there kingdom fruit being produced in your life? Because Jesus said, my goal inside of you is to produce a kingdom harvest in your life. Somebody needs to hear me today. Jesus wants to produce a kingdom harvest inside of your marriage. And for some of you, maybe it's time to, to grow up and get a little more mature in your marriage and realize it's not about you and what you want, that the two became one. And if I would learn to serve and love my spouse the way I want them to serve and love me, we would actually have a healthier marriage and I would see kingdom fruit begin to grow in my marriage. God wants kingdom fruit for your family and your kids. But somewhere along the way, you gotta realize I'm not waiting for the church to teach my kids about Jesus. I'm going to help my kids grow an understanding of God's word. And the church is just there to come along and support what I'm doing at home with them. And then you would see kingdom fruit begin to grow inside of your family. Man, I just, your mind is riddled by anxiety and worry and stress and all those things. Jesus wants kingdom fruit in your mind and heart, and he wants peace to reign where anxiety reigns. But in order to do that, you got to grow an understanding of God's word and put his word in your heart and in your mind so that you can grow in what he's called you to do. And you got to understand that. Do you see what he's up to? He wants it for all of us. He wants a harvest of kingdom fruit in your life. Jesus wants your life to overflow with him. Every area. He didn't come and die so that you can get a golden ticket and just squeak into heaven by the skin of your teeth. Heaven is not just something to be enjoyed one day. In fact, Jesus said in his prayer, you should pray your kingdom, what? Come, your will be done on as it is in. That Jesus actually wants heaven to invade earth and there to be an overlapping in this season until he comes and makes all things new and we get to spend eternity with him. That's the abundant kingdom harvest that Jesus wants for your life and for my life. And so, where has Jesus been planting some seeds in your life today? Where has the Holy Spirit been speaking into your heart and into your mind about some spaces and places that you need to grow in understanding? You need to grow deeper or maybe you need to grow up a little bit. I don't know about you, but Jason's got some places he needs to grow up a little bit. And I'm being stretched right now in ways that, man, I told my wife, like it's, there's just nothing comfortable about this season that we're in. Nothing. And yet, there's something exciting all at the same time. And how do you live in that space? Because there's some depth in my life that's been cultivated over 44 years of my life 
that's carrying me in this moment. And I'm thankful for all of those things because I'm prepared for what's coming because I put in the work. Jesus is trying to prepare you. Hear me right now. For some of you, this is the wake-up call that he's trying to give you to be prepared for what's coming, not to scare you, but because he loves you and he wants to see you have that harvest of him in his life too and in your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Maybe for some of you here today, the reality is, is, man, that harvest begins with the seed being planted of salvation in your life. Like for some of you, the idea that Jesus is for you and he loves you just feels so foreign versus everything you've heard. But I need you to know it's for real. And that's who he is. Jesus loves you and he is for you. And maybe you've, you've been running from God. You've been trying to do things your way and life is a mess. Maybe you made a decision for Jesus a long time ago, but you've not really been following him. Hear me. If you're making a decision for the first time or you're making a new decision to follow Jesus, today is the day to do something and respond to what he's up to. So if that's you and you say, man, pastor, I, I need to make a commitment to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or, or make a new commitment because I've not been following him. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so that we could put a Bible in your hand and pray for you this morning? Right, right here. Keep your hand up. They're going to come. They're going to drop a Bible in your hand. I see one right back here, too, in the back, right back there. Got their hand up. When they put a Bible in your hand, you can, you can put it back down after that. Listen, if you, if you raised your hand, would you mind to just look up here at me? Would you mind to come up here and let me pray with you? I mean, we're not here to embarrass you. We're just here to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. Come on. Yeah. What's your name? Justin. Justin. Wendy. Wendy. Autumn. Autumn. Listen, the fact that you guys are here today, man, this was all for you. Jesus has been running after you for a really long time. He loves you. There's nothing that you've done in this moment that makes Jesus love you less. In fact, it's made him love you more. He's not embarrassed or ashamed of you. He loves you. And we're here today to celebrate the new life that I believe as you raise your hand, as you've made this commitment, you're experiencing the new life that Jesus wants for you. And we're just here to come alongside of you, support you, and help you experience that today. And I wanna invite you to pray with me. Nothing magical about this prayer, but I believe if you mean it with all your heart, and I believe you do, because you raised your hand, you're here saying, man, I want this, then Jesus is making your life new. He is forgiving you, whatever your story is. You're getting a clean slate. And we can't change what happened until this point, but we can change our future by the decisions we make right now. So let's pray together. I invite all of you to pray with me as we do. May I say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus I, love I love you. And I need you, I need you. to come into my life, into my life. And, to and to forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you, help me to live for you. and help me to love you. For the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I need you guys to hear me. Here's what I can promise you. Just like I said in that story, Jesus told us that story on purpose. The enemy is gonna come in and try to trip you up. Here's the difference. From here on out, next time he trips you up, you're not gonna run from Jesus. You're gonna run to Jesus. That's the difference now. We're gonna run to him. And we wanna help you keep running towards him 
and help you grow. And so I wanna encourage you to go over there and visit those people. Keep showing up here. Let this church family love on you, support you, and keep growing into who Jesus wants you guys to be. Amen. Amen. Go over there if you would and just visit with those people. Ooh, Justin. Man, can we stand up all across this place? Whoo. How many of you would say, man, there's a space in my life where I need to grow to understand some things better? Or maybe there's a space in my life I need to grow a little bit deeper. Or maybe there's a space in my life I need to grow up a little bit. Anybody out there with me? I'm gonna raise both my hands because that's how much I need to respond to this right now. Man, can we close out in prayer and just ask Jesus to do that today? Man, Father, I thank you that you love us enough. Man, Jesus, that you would come die for us. That you would come take what we deserve because you love us and care for us and say, I'm not gonna let you do it. I'm gonna do it and then I'm gonna give it to you for free. And I pray today that, that we would take and appreciate the salvation that you've given to us and we would listen to what you're saying to us today and where we need to grow in understanding, I pray we would do that today. We would put into work to, to grow. Where we need to grow deeper, I pray that today would be a day we make a commitment to get deeper and wider, to weather us through the moments that may come in life. I pray where we need to grow up and mature where we're being spiritual teenagers. Father God, I pray you would love us enough to point that immaturity out and call it out of us and replace it with a mature truth of who you are and who you've called us to be. I pray that today would be a pivotal moment, that five or 10 years from now, we would look back at this day, at this moment, at this prayer, and we would remember because of what you're doing today, the work you've been doing in our life and setting us up so that we can experience the harvest that you want for every one of us here that are here, every one of us that are watching online right now. May this be the day I speak right now, your harvest blessing. I speak 30, 60, 100 fold right now that the seeds are being planted today are going to produce that harvest in our lives. And we ask it all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, listen, if you need prayer today, our prayer partners are going to be down front. Come down and let somebody pray with you. We love you guys and we'll see you next week.